Welcome, welcome, welcome. This is the Distraction Pieces Podcast, episode 68. My name is Scroobius Pip. Thank you for tuning in, guys. Today, today our guest is the one and only Chris Jericho. It's the first time I've announced early in a while. I've, I've got, I've kind of been enjoying doing the announcement on the day and things like that, but I posted about this one um, when last week's double episodes went up. And the reaction was huge. But there's been so much drama with this podcast that that the wonderful Mr. Jericho hardly even knows about. Now, let me tell you, I'm going to start with the initial thing. We uh, arranged this. It was quite a last minute, but Chris was lovely and excitable and delightful. And then he got stuck in a couple of hours of London traffic. And I was ready. I was I was there in the studio and I was ready for him to be a bit grumpy and a bit miserable. You could understand that, you know. Um, I was ready for him to be a bit down. I'd got him a coffee and nice and ready. I bought him a little birthday cupcake because it was his birthday the day before. So I'd, like, I thought I was, I was, I was ready to tr- try and pep him up and get him there. And then um, as soon as he arrived, he was absolutely lovely and cheery, apologetic for the traffic, which wasn't his fault. Um, and then we jumped into the podcast and we were chatting and it was great and it felt natural, and it felt flowing, but I was borrowing the studios at Radio X for the first time in a while, and it didn't start recording properly. I did it to record, I thought it was recorded, but it didn't record, so I had to stop after about 10 minutes or so of chat, um, and then start the podcast again, which again, a lot of people could have kicked off at and moaned and been furious, but... Mr. Jericho was a delight about it. Now, let me, I'm going to explain more about that after I get the quick plug in that I need to get here of Speech Development Records. That's my record label. Me and Chris, uh, frontman of Fozzie, talk a lot about the music industry, about grafting, about touring. Um, you can support Speech Development Records, my label that I run, that I'm on, that I have other artists on, by going to speechdevelopmentrecords.com. We've got loads of stuff. Christmas is coming. We've got like. A woolly bobble hats, we've got jumpers, we've got coats, we've got everything you could possibly need. So, yeah, head over there. Anyway, so yeah, that's happened. That's all gone bad. It's, it's, it's the first part of the podcast hasn't recorded. So I explained to Chris, and he has a bit of a sad look on his face. Um, understandably, he's like, so how much didn't record? I'm like, no, it didn't. We need to just start again. Um, and as you'll hear, we do start again, but we don't want to just go over the same stuff because otherwise it'll feel um, pre-planned. So we talk about new things, we reference it, we're honest about it. He understands because he's had this issue happen himself. Again, he explains that. But then there's a little epilogue to this tale of woe. Um, I was in in Radio X again the next day recording another podcast and I mentioned this sad, this sad happening and... Neil, the guy who's the the main man, the 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 what he's he's amazing. He he makes things happen over there. Um, he told me that they had a little a backup thing that as long as the mics were up, they could often get that audio. So I've managed to get the original intro back. So how exciting is that? I I mean we cover s- some of it again, but what I'm going to do? So this is going to be a bumper J- J- Jericho special. I'm going to shut up talking. And we're going to have the Chris Jericho podcast interview. And then I'm going to come on at the end and, t- and tell you about next week's podcast with Kurt Sutter, the writer of Sons of Anarchy and numerous other things. And then right at the end, you're going to get a bonus chunk 
of the original intro to the podcast, which we did discuss some different things. We didn't just repeat the same stuff. Some stuff we came back to and, and went over again, but, you know, you're getting double a whammy today. It's only an extra 10 minutes or so, but you might also get to hear the sadness in my voice as I say, oh, it's not, I, I need to stop you, it's not recorded, and hear the, the gloom and despair. And when and when you hear the gloom and despair, that's when we'll end the podcast. Um, so it'll end on a sad note. But let's get into the first chunk. In fact, before we do, I want to talk even more at you because I want to extend this intro <laughs> because I had someone on Twitter. And I think me and Chris discussed this, in fact, sp- sponsorship. I had someone on Twitter the other day mention that in the Adam Buxton one, the, the podcast didn't start till nine minutes in or something like that or seven minutes in and I was a bit mad at that because that's discarding the quality of these wonderful introductions I do I think you will all agree that this is podcast gold right here um but the reason for that is I front load my sponsors at the beginning and obviously you'll know that the reason you get this podcast for free every week is because of the sponsors um and a lot of podcasts are growing and growing, which means they cost more because there's, there's there's download costs and hosting costs. Um, they're growing and growing. And a lot of podcasts, like Chris Jericho's one, as me and Adam discuss, in fact, um, have their adverts in the middle or two or three breaks throughout the podcast. Now, now I don't like to, to, to do that. It's a personal taste thing, but I like the interview to be untouched. So it just flows naturally. So I front load the, um, the adverts. And again, like two of the adverts, it's just, it's just for the team of 3w stuff and our merch it's not like it's but in general the companies are companies i believe in they're companies like on it who i'm a big fan of and use squarespace who i built my a website with and loads of other good people so we kind of front load them and yeah i hope that's not annoying anyone too much the the fact is it's there it's never more than 10 percent. like the adverts are never more they're always three or four percent of the complete a running time and then you get to have the podcast for free now i'm thinking i've been discussing with a few people i'm thinking of doing um a sponsor free version each week that we charge like a quid for or a couple of quid for um but when i've spoken to people about that they've kind of said that they wouldn't they wouldn't go for that so hopefully you're you're all all right at the moment with the fact that there's some sponsors but they're good sponsors you're finding out some good stuff it's fine so yeah anyway back to chris jericho we recorded this um on so it's wednesday now last tuesday no last monday tuesday yeah it was tuesday um and it was the day after his birthday and it was the day before he host the um the classic rock awards at the at the roundhouse um but then he's going into europe and then swinging back round at the end of november and into december to do some uk dates so i want to quickly give you a quick run of the fozzy tour dates he's over reading at sub 89 um and the Bowery District on the 24th of November. The Forum in Tunbridge Wells on the tw- 25th. The O2 Islington Academy in London on the 26th. Sound Control Manchester on the 27th. The Live Rooms in Chester on the 28th. Engine Rooms in Southampton on the 29th. On December 1st, they're in the, at the Rainbow in Birmingham, which B. Dolan and Buddy Peace recently destroyed. Cambridge Junction in Cambridge on the, the 2nd of December. The Riverside in Newcastle on the 3rd of December. The Rescue Rooms in Nottingham on the 4th of December. And then there's planet rockstock 2015 and winter rocks festival 2015 both tagging on at the end there so he's really getting as many shows in with fozzy before the year is out um anyway that sh- that should extend this intro really far to really annoy the people who don't like it um this is episode 
68 of the Distraction Pieces podcast taken over. Distraction Pieces is Jericho. This piece of fiction is the intro to Distraction Pieces. This piece of fiction is the intro to Distraction Pieces. This piece of fiction is the intro to Distraction Pieces. This piece of fiction is the intro to Distraction Pieces. To do my exciting intro again. <laughs> I'm joined by the first ever undisputed WWF champion, the nine-time Intercontinental champion, the host of Talk is Jericho, and the frontman of Fozzie, Mr. Chris Jericho. How are you doing? I'm doing good, and I have to say that we have to admit what happened. Yeah, we have to, we, to we fake the energy again now. We've just spoken for and five then, minutes. And but then... the thing is, now other people <laughs> might get mad or be angry that the fact that we were yeah. talking for 10, 10 minutes or so, yeah. maybe even longer... But the recording didn't work. Yeah. But the fact that I have my own podcast and it's you understand to me a how million this fucking is. times, there's nothing worse than the feeling of like, oh, we got to start again. Because right now you're thinking, this yeah. Sucks. I, I did an interview gold. once in in Norwich. In fact, at the waterfront where Fozzie are heading yeah, just times. after this is is coming as well. Yeah. Um, I did an interview there, and this kid interviewed us for an hour, and then he left, and then we saw him standing outside in the rain. And we were like, what's, what's up? And kind of um, tour manager went out and went, all right, it's like, it didn't record and hadn't recorded any of it. Oh. And we were kind of like, come back in, but it was the most awkward. It's At least terrible. we only got t- uh, 10 minutes in this time. <laughs> and, and it's hard to, like, you know, we can't talk about the same stuff we talked about. We have yeah. to bring that up later. But yeah. I had this the other day uh, a couple times. So I have a portable rig, as you mentioned, you, yep. you have as well. Yep. So if we were in a studio, I wouldn't even know how to record what you're recording. Yeah. But my portable rig, I've had it, I've done the show for two years now. And every single thing that could have possibly happened yeah. has happened. Like, for I'm example, exactly the one same. time, on the portable we rig. everything. We were in Australia, and it was um, uh, Justin Roberts, the former WWE announcer, and Miz. Yeah, and we're like, "Hey, we're bored. We got like we're, we have a, a flight that leaves at five a.m. It's one in the morning. Let's do a, a, a podcast." Yeah. So we do this podcast, and it's really great. And an hour in, the plug falls out of the wall, which if you don't save the recording yeah. by stopping it, it just disappeared. God so I'm damn. like, we got to do this again. So we do it again. But at this point now, we've been drinking for the first <laughs> one. So we're really fucking loaded for the second one. So that's okay, though, because those are your friends. Yeah, yeah. Like, thank goodness this never happened when I was talking to Paul Stanley or yeah. William Shatner or Dennis Miller or somebody where – you can't do it again. Yeah, yeah. You just, you just kind say, of stuck there. Well, that didn't work you have out. To fake guys. it, you know. And then another time, I was doing one actually with Xavier Woods from New Day. Yeah, we were talking about video games, and yeah. about twenty minutes in, same thing happened. Just died, and I was like, we thankfully had a time frame the next day as well. And I said, let's just do it tomorrow because yeah. we can't start over again. Like it's too not much when you've gone into it, it in that in that just, manner. Yeah, and we've talked about so much great stuff. That yeah. you can't redo it because it's going to sound shitty the second time. Yeah. So yeah. by waiting a day, cleanse the palate. Yeah. And then kind of incorporated some of those things we spoke about the next day in a whole different conversation. Yeah, and be f- so. fresh and, and new and ready to go so again. This, this conversation will be a million times better than the first. It is. It's going to be improved. It's going to be hugely. so amazing. So yeah. So, so how are you finding it in to be in London and, and back in the UK? Obviously, you, you've you've been over many times before. Are you have you adjusted all right? Are you you feeling jet yeah, lagged? I, I love I love the UK and I love London and it's one of those places. I mean, I came here so many times. With the WWE, I believe my first time I was here was probably 2000. Oh, wow. And also the reason I really love the UK is it was the first country, England especially, that really embraced Fozzie. Yeah. Uh, right from 2005. I remember the first gig we ever had with Fozzie was in Nottingham. In uh, Nottingham or Nottingham? Yeah, Nottingham. I'm trying to be like – Or Nottingham. I'm yeah, trying Nottingham, to be cool Nottingham, be Nottingham. Yeah, yeah. But I would say Nottingham. Nottingham. First yeah. time in Nottingham. <laughs> 
we played a gig at Rock City. Yeah. And I remember walking on stage and going, oh my gosh, where the fuck did all these people come from? Yeah. Because, you know, we, you start in a band, you play in front of 50 people or, yeah. you know, and you're happy 100%. to be there. Maybe you get a, there was like, you know, 500 people or 600 people. Yeah. And that whole tour that was like 700, 800, 1,000. And I couldn't believe like how many people were there to see us. Yeah. And you almost like don't get it like this must be a mistake yeah like did you guys think it was ozzy yeah like we're fozzy <laughs> with an f confusion but people really dug the band right from the start for whatever reason it was and was there a bit of a different buzz there doing um getting that reaction and getting them crowds from the band that's that's your own thing rather than the, wrestling when you're part of well, a such a big roster and everyone else you i know? think at first a lot of people came to see fozzy because they came to see chris yeah, jericho or also don't forget too they came to see stuck mojo yeah which is is the band that kind of fozzy begat from right. and they'd been to england and europe quite a few times yeah so i think at first it was kind of a you know like when uh, i remember audio slave first came out it was, yeah. it was chris cornell and the guys from raging the machine i'm gonna check this out yeah, yeah because yeah, i want to hear this yeah now if the band sucked you wouldn't dig it anymore but that was the same with us they came to see us maybe because of that reason yeah and then left as fans of the band so we always love coming to the uk because of that reason and we we take great pride in the fact that we spend a lot of time in the uk yeah uh we and we don't just do london manchester Birmingham, Nottingham. We go to Yeovil, Margate, uh, yeah, Exeter, I mean, I was Red, say, Rugby. On this tour, you've got a, a Reading, which is always a great one, but places like Tunbridge Wells, Tunbridge Wells. London, Manchester, Chester, Chester, Southampton, Birmingham, <laughs> Cambridge, Newcastle, Nottingham, and Sheffield. All that's a lot of that's a lot of, of variation in it, and not just the big cities, the main and places. small ones. And yeah. you know, we don't think people should miss out on the Fozzy experiences because you grow up in Grimsby. Yeah, I mean, there's yeah, rock yeah, fans yeah, yeah. in Grimsby too, and usually when you do those shows, they're great shows. And that also, when we do play Download, for example, we just did it for the third time, not last summer, but the time before. Yeah. First time ever on main stage. Yeah. And it's we're the second band on the main stage, so it's like twelve noon or twelve thirty. And there's 40,000 people there chanting Fozzie. That's, That's crazy, because of right? the work we put in yeah. going to Grimsby and rugby and all, and all these different places so that people go, this band is great. We want to see them. And they'll come kind of find us at whatever festival we do. So it's been a great love affair with the UK. And that's why we always try and come here at least yeah. two or three times in every tour. Uh, uh, growing up, or was it always kind of a mixture of, 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 of music and wrestling that were your, your passions growing up? Or, or was one you know, prominent over the other. I mean, I don't think so. I think they're pretty much one and the same for me. Like yeah. people always say, when did you start playing music and how was it transitioning from wrestling to music? And it really wasn't a transition because I've been playing in bands since I was 12. I've been playing yeah. in bands longer than I've been wrestling. When I was a kid, I wanted to be in a rock band and I wanted yeah. to be a wrestler and never really understood why I couldn't do both. Yeah. You know, didn't understand why some people would say, oh, you can't do that because you have to remember it's easy to say Chris Jericho, six-time world champion, nine-time intercontinental champion, whatever. But when I first told people I wanted to be a wrestler, they would laugh. Yeah. You're too small to be a wrestler. You'll never be a wrestler. Um, so when it finally started happening, I mean, while I'm still playing music and recording demos and doing whatever I can, and we start getting in more with Fozzie, it's like, oh, you can't be in a band. It's like, I've heard this before. Yeah. I've yeah. seen this movie. And I, and I see, know how it ends with me winning. So can, shut the fuck up. I can completely know? imagine that because um, it was really kind of in the – in. In your WCW days, when there were smaller guys like yourself, like um, Eddie Guerrero and people like that, that were starting to make it a wave and become the big names, that that, that was kind of 
one of the first waves of people realizing that you don't have to be the traditional well, WWF it started, original it big muscle man. It going more to just who was the most entertaining. Yeah. Its size really didn't matter as much. And for me, when I first started in 1990 in wrestling, I knew I'd never be the biggest guy in the show. And this was yeah. the land of the giants back in those days. I knew I'd never be the biggest, but I knew I could have the biggest charisma. Yeah. I could have the biggest personality and I could be uh, the biggest character on the show. And I took a lot of what I was doing from rock and roll. I wanted yeah. to be like the party host front man of wrestling. Yeah. So I took a lot of Paul Stanley. I took a lot of Dave Lee Roth, Freddie Mercury, you know, James Hetfield, the great front man that I really enjoyed. I took a lot of that persona and put it into my original wrestling persona. Yeah. yeah. And then when Fozzie started, I took a lot of the stuff I was doing as Y2J, which was begat from rock and roll and put it back into rock and roll. So it's one big kind of Just continuous constant circle, right? constant circle. Yeah. And that's what's really cool about, about, you know, getting the chance to kind of work your way up the ladder in both of these vocations. And, you know, I mean, the first time I ever wrestled Hulk Hogan, yeah. you know, and the first time I ever wrestled Shawn Michaels, or these guys that were really big heroes, Ricky Steamboat, yeah. and get a chance to wrestle with them. And then we've kind of brought this up earlier, but I'll bring it up now is because it's poignant <laughs> going to go on the Kiss tour and touring yes. with Kiss just a couple of weeks ago. It's the same thing. It's like as a, as a, as a professional, you're like, I've made it. This is it. Yeah. And you have a couple seconds of fanboyism. Oh my yeah. God, I'm wrestling Shawn Michaels. Oh my God, we're touring with Kiss. And then you have to put that away and go, okay, now the job is to uh, live up to the reason why we're here and to destroy them and yeah. show them that we're now better. And of course, whether you do that or not, that's that's the mindset you have to have. I think it's, it's an amazing thing. The first time you get an opportunity like that and then you smash it, and go and you know and prove yes. go right. No, I haven't just l- lucked upon this opportunity. Right. I'm here for a reason. And yeah, we're not you know, here because I'm a nice guy. It's like there's a reason why we were invited. There's a reason why I'm in this position. And now I have one chance to show that anybody who believed in me to put me here, yeah, and now now was right. And now yeah. it's time for me to take over and, and go on my on my route. So it was really cool to get a chance to do that in both wrestling and music. Um, because once again, a lot of people maybe have some dreams and never follow one of them. I followed both and a a bunch of other kind of ancillary dreams. And so my mindset, and I'll tell anybody is that the, the only people that tell you you can't do something are the ones that have failed. Yeah. And if you have a goal, no matter how outlandish, listen, I wanted to be a rock star and a wrestler doesn't get much more outlandish than that. <laughs> it's pretty much the limit right? as a kid to look at and go, yeah, yeah. yeah. And it's funny because I read Arnold Schwarzenegger's book and he was talking about when he was 13 or 14, he grew up in some village in Austria, yeah. Graz or whatever, something like this. And he was telling people that he wanted to be the the biggest bodybuilder of all time and the biggest actor in the world. Yeah. Laughed out of his village. Get the hell out of 100%. here. And then look what happens to him. So Yeah. He's you, the ultimate in uh, you, really you know, embodiment of that because then also then going into politics and everything right. else of the ultimate american dream of turning yes. up barely able to speak the language and and that's and that's, and that's that how it is man you you either have the choice in life to either pursue these things that may not necessarily be easy or accept the reality that you're in and if you accept it you're done yeah never accept always yeah. Try for more and 
strive to do more. And if there's un, un, unattainable goals and dreams, I'm here to tell you that they're not unattainable. Yeah. You can do it, but you have to put in the work. It's not easy. So, so let's talk again br- br- briefly about this, about the Kiss Cruise. I yeah. mean, we did talk about this. That is the main part that got, um, um, not recorded so but it's insane kiss and motorhead and a few others are doing these cruises where there's numerous bands the fans will get get cabins the bands you're how how weird was that kind of being you're all locked on there together do you know i mean it was actually really cool because (laughs) because and that's the thing like you know when you're an entertainer and you're on the road as as you have been you go from town to town you jump on the tour bus you're driving around and you know it's fun to play the, the the shows but Alice Cooper told me once, they don't pay me to play my shows. Yeah. They pay me for the other 22 and a half hours of bullshit that yeah. I have to deal with, yeah, you know, yeah, airports yeah, yeah. and traveling and being away from home and all this different stuff. I mean, airports are when you're a musician, even more so, just because of equipment. Oh, and I know. Again, I can imagine with it's brutal. A, I've got a, this a live big, show that you guys would do. It's, I've got this uh, these light-up jackets that I wear, yeah. and I wear them on stage with Fozzie. I have different ones for both. And I have a big... Uh, I, I couldn't carry them around in my bag anymore because they're very fragile. Yeah. And the more they get tossed around, the more they break and they fall apart. So I have a big wardrobe case that I carry with me, which is a gun case. I went to <laughs> a, uh, like a big uh, a sports shop, like a fishing yeah. sports shop. I bought a big gun. I got <laughs> a big gun case, gutted it out, put some styrofoam in. Now I put my jackets in there. So I'm carrying this thing through the airport. And the other day I go through, cus- uh, through uh, to security and the guy's like, is that a, a combustion analyzer? And I was like, what? Is that a combustion analyzer? I'm like, <laughs> I don't even know what that is. And he's like, is it a 5150 Remington shotgun 422? I'm like, dude, it's a wardrobe case. And he's like, what? <laughs> and I got to open it up. They look through it. Why do you have these jackets? Like, Trust me, if I don't put them in. So carrying that thing around and knowing now that I'm here in London and our first show is in Rotterdam, which means I got to take one more flight through Europe. It's going to be such a hassle. I'm so not looking forward to and it. And just explaining it's that. Be brutal. Is, and like the weight. Easy. And, you know, it's like I'll probably fly Ryanair where they allow you 10 pounds of weight and then charge yeah. you 50 pounds for each pound. It's going to be so bad. But anyways. A Ryanair do have a strict limit on on, on gun wardrobe cases. They they're do. very they're very strict on but that. But if they're you tell nightmare. them it's a combustion analyzer, <laughs> yeah, I should absolutely. be okay. So, that, yeah, then that's the other second. So, long story of it is that when you go on the cruise all you do is you get on the cruise you go in your cabin and then you go play your show walk back down to your cruise go get something to eat go have some drinks go hang out with some people go watch another band you know go to sleep wake up do it all over again it was the easiest cruise and the most fun we've ever had on a tour yeah plus we're on tour with kiss yeah telling all my friends like dudes i can't i was gonna say i mean regardless tour with kiss sorry. <laughs> i was gonna say regardless of the professional side of it yeah. just as a fan to get to be on that and part of that and behind the scenes as such yes. of that must have been absolutely insane. It was just a, a great experience all across the board and having uh, being fortunate enough to have been uh, made friends with Kiss with, with Paul and Gene yeah. more specifically Paul because you've had them on on Talk on, is Jericho on Talk is in the Jericho, past yeah and it yeah. started as just uh, you know I had Paul on then we became friends and now we're like buds and say hey you yeah. want to come up and hang out and I go up to Kiss World on the, on the cruise ship, which is the entire top floor, of which has it's like a palace. Of course it is. Yeah. It's like, I walk up and there's catering with lobster and steak and like Amazing. creme brulee. I'm like, holy man, this is fucking Kiss World here. Yeah. So to see that side of it, and then you see there's so many cool people, and it's like summer camp by the third or fourth day, you know everybody. Yeah. And I was I came off that boat like the friendliest guy in the world because everybody wants to shake your hand, take a picture, grab a hug, and that's that's what it's for. That's why yeah. you're there. So if you got any like asshole in you 
don't walk around the ship because yeah. it's not the place for you. It's, it's, it's one of the things I've always got from on tour when people ask how a particular town was or whatever. It's like, dude, I went to that town and only saw people who are really excited to see me. Yeah. Every, every town's amazing yeah. in that situation. Yeah, right, right, it's right. like, it was kind of nice. I can't complain. It was a really pleasant yeah. time, you know? But, so, I mean, but that's the thing too, though. When you, when you go to a place like that, like you're at the Kiss Cruise and people are asking to take pictures and they always go like, hey, this must get, you must get sick of this. And it's like, no, I, if, if nobody wanted to take my picture and shake yeah. my hand, you've got a problem. Yeah. You know, if nobody cares, then maybe there's some issues. And, and uh, we talked about this earlier too, but you got me this lovely cupcake. It was my birthday as we recorded this yesterday. And I was telling you about how on social media, and this is not some bullshit exaggeration, literally got thousands and thousands yeah. of happy birthdays and videos and pictures and naked chicks jumping out of cakes and all this great stuff. Amazing. And it just, yeah, it's pretty <laughs> funny. But, you know, I go on Twitter and it's like you have a thousand tweets. And it's like I'm scrolling through trying to see as much as I can. And it's like it really um, makes you feel good about what you do, that people care that much. Yeah. And after doing this for 25 years and all the different guises that I've done professionally, uh, it's good to know that people care, and it actually brings yeah. a tear to your eyes. Like, wow, this is this is really cool. You know, seeing all these pictures from all these years of me with yeah. fans and together and um, friends, it's pretty cool, man. Like to know, like you've made that kind of impact, and you were able to positively influence somebody to where maybe they were having a bad day and they watched something that I did and got a smile on their face. Yeah, completely. that's a great honor, and I take great uh, pride in that. And it's a responsibility yeah. for me to continue to do projects. That keep people smiling no matter was, what they may be. I was going to say, you've really em, em, embraced social media and it feels like the perfect tool for someone like you who has so many different projects and has done um, a wrestling and music and podcasting and all else. So to have that direct access to, to, to your fan base, to be able to say, here's what's going on now, you know, how much, yeah. how great is that? I mean, you know? I, I was, um, I think I had my first website in 97 yeah. It used to be this thing called Web TV, and it was a keyboard that you would connect to your TV. <laughs> wow. Uh, just a keyboard, no computer, and it would take 20 minutes. You'd finally, and I remember the first time I put up a, a, like, you know, Chris Jericho at, you know, email.com, whatever it was, and getting an email from Yugoslavia. Yeah. And reading about how I had a fan in Yugoslavia. And That's I wasn't crazy, even really right? much back then, but just to, like, couldn't like oh my gosh i'm talking to someone in yugoslavia yeah that's the the early days of the internet so i've always understood the power and how important it is to this day with twitter and instagram and facebook and i have six million to seven million followers friends whatever it is it's amazing it's very important because you get instant gratification or instant feedback yeah on anything that you've done yeah which is important and i don't really care if people like it or don't like it it's nice if people like what I do and you always have to take it into consideration if people don't. Yeah. But it's the number one most valuable thing about social media is you get that feedback. And also too, nobody advertises anymore. You put out a record, there's no newspaper advertisements or, I mean, maybe if you're, you know, Britney Spears or One Direction or something like this. On the side of a bus. Right. If not, it's up to you. It's on my shoulders to pretty much promote everything. And I think on things like that, it really helps if you're genuinely into the social media. Because what I get from your accounts is you're posting and engaging because you want to. So then when you have got something to push or to sell or to promote, then it gets taken in that bit more easily. It's not like 
again, like you'll follow certain accounts, and it's always just here's my next next record, here's my next right, tour. Right, right. Whereas you, the ones you'd be they, on there anyway. You or know, the ones where they don't even run it. Yeah, yeah, you where know, someone McCartney else is. Had, McCartney, I think, does something with his Instagram, but his Twitter's like, Paul's new record will be out next. Yeah. Come on. <laughs> it's not even pretending to say, be like, Paul. Hey, my, hey, hey, guys, my new record's out next week. And but So I, I think, like, I, sometimes I get complaints like, Jericho's blown up my timeline with all his retweets. or I don't give a shit because yeah. I have <laughs> two and a half million followers on Twitter. Yeah. So if you get something retweeted by me, if I got something retweeted by, I remember David Hasselhoff retweeted something that I put. I said, that was pretty, Amazing. Yeah, pretty yeah, cool. Yeah. Like even for me, I was like, I, that's really neat. Yeah. So I try and, and, and give as much people props and love as I can because if somebody's in, you know, Exeter and they see a, a Chris Jericho retweet, that that's might make deal. them pretty happy and give them a little buzz and a charge and maybe their friends will think it's cool. And yeah. so I do a lot of that on social media. Yeah. I try and answer people's questions or make a comment or post pictures. And if it's too much for you, then unfollow me because yeah. it's not about just me. It's trying to engage as many people as I can and say thank you for writing something funny or cool or you know happy birthday wishes I tried to retweet I probably retweeted 20 of them yeah because they're cool and, and I think that's neat you know completely and it and it does mean that much more I think a wrestling fans in particular can be so f- f- fanatical and excited so again a retweet I always know notice anytime I talk to to, to Paige on Twitter um and she's smashing it at the moment doing absolutely amazing but then there'll then be a hundred odd people replying to both us that are just so real much, fanatic yeah, fans yeah. just just yeah you know how much it means if you do a retreat sure. to someone that it's really and also how you know uh, uh one one dimensional a lot of fans are because you know i could post a picture of me and the pope yeah and i'd get 500 comments saying when are you going back to the WWE?" yeah and it's like this is not a. This is about the Pope. Yeah, it's, it's so pope. weird, isn't it's it? It's me and the Pope. Just what are you talking about? Follow back. You know, please follow um, me. <laughs> and that's just how people are. I find that on my podcast quite often because because my podcast is not a wrestling podcast. It's yeah. an entertainment podcast. Yeah. And I still get a lot of people. When are you doing more wrestling? And it's like yeah, I'm doing less wrestling. Yeah. I always will say because I mean that's wrestling is super interesting, but so is music and acting and politics and uh, you know paranormal stuff. I do a lot of that. Yeah. And There's endless things players that you can sh- shine a light on and have I'm an interesting in. conversation. Yeah, if I think it's interesting, I'll talk about it and, and I'll do it. And the good thing is about it now, I've built my show up to where the low end ratings are getting higher. Yeah. Which is what you want. You want people to so follow people have got your that show. faith and belief in right. whoever's on, regardless of oh, it's That's this right. name or that name. I'll, I'll trust that this is going to yeah. be an entertaining. You know, if you are a, a you know fan of, is Jonathan Ross still on? Yeah, he is. If you he like Rossi and you like his show, you're going to watch it, no matter who the yeah. guest is. And obviously, some guests Absolutely. are more interesting than others. But I'm just going to watch because I like him. Yeah. And that's what I wanted to build up for, for Talk is Jericho. If you like Chris Jericho, trust me, I will never have a guest on that I don't find interesting. Yeah. And, and if, if I find them interesting, then I promise you will as well. Yeah, it's it's the best outlook. I've had, again, I uh, when starting mine off, I made sure I had some big names like a Russell Brand and Zane right. Lowe and these people who have big names. And then, but over the years, I've had a Congolese a refugee on. I've had doctors sure. on and scientists on and all sorts of stuff because again it's that belief that 
if you've got this audience, there's more to talk about than just here's a famous person. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Here's fame. And, and also too, here's a famous person. But let's talk about something you don't usually get a chance to talk about. Yeah, yeah. You know, like we talked earlier, having Dean Ambrose on to talk about paranormal. Yeah, he loves paranormal and hiking stuff. and cycling and all sorts of well, stuff. Yeah, well, that it's was his, yeah. That. He yeah. Just, I mean, that's the way it should be. You don't you don't have a list of questions when you have a conversation with somebody. You just talk. Yeah. And I also know what it's like to get asked the same questions over and over and over again. If you're interviewing. You know, we talked about this earlier once again. Slash, your first question, when is Guns N' Roses reuniting? He's going to turn off and end this interview quickly. Yeah. We talked about dinosaurs and horror movies for again, an hour. as soon as you mentioned dinosaurs, he's excited it, and good to go, I right? I love dinosaurs too. And that's yeah. kind of one of, one of our connections <laughs> of what kind of made us friends. Yeah. So you talk about that for a while, and then suddenly we're talking about the Stones, and then he brings up the time Guns N' Roses open for the Stones, and now suddenly we're talking about Guns N' Roses for 20 minutes. Yeah. yeah. And it was like, I was all, just, all going, this in is great. I love it. And that's what you want. You want to uh, uh, bring something out of people that they might not have known was there at first by just talking. And yeah. that's because we're all in this you know, in show business and know the bullshit. So you just talk about whatever as friends and yeah. that's how real life stuff comes out. It all comes, comes together. Have, have you ever c- considered doing it live or, or have you done any, I've any, done live. any a live with an audience? I have. Um, pro- yeah. I just did actually this week uh, on the Kiss Cruise, I did Doc McGee. Oh, again, we were saying, again, this is the last thing that we're going to say we previously said. This is the last bit that we're repeating. Uh, yeah, but, yeah, we had a hell of a conversation we had a, Oh man, this it was a conversation. Better, yeah, You guys um, didn't miss out. This one's way better. <laughs> oh, you were saying about the idea and 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 the seed being planted of, of putting together a Jericho cruise in some sort of rock and wrestling yeah, yeah, or some yeah, kind yeah. of yeah I was thinking about it and that's um, fascinating because again I think with the podcast side of it as well it can give such variation of of watching some wrestling or watching some bands or, or watching some interviews and conversations yeah I was know? actually thinking about about uh, starting the Chris cruise Chris cruise and it like would be it. once again just whatever I'm into rock and rock and roll wrestling you yeah. have have like some great independent wrestlers that would put on you know three matches a day and then have a great headliner like Slash or Steel yeah. Panther or somebody and then Fozzie would play and then I would do live podcasts yeah. or some of my uh, my spoken word shows that I do yeah, yeah, yeah. or have you know bring some of the paranormal guys that I have on that, to do their live yeah. things like comedians just make it a really cool fun thing yeah. of everything that I like to do again it's that investment in look just trust me yeah, it's, just trust it's, it's going to be good. Just trust. Just, yeah. Just trust. And me. I think the rock and wrestling thing alone is something that's never been done before, and um, I think it could really work. So, you know, and you mentioned earlier about live podcasting, and yeah. I've done quite a few of those. When I had uh, Kevin Smith told me record everything you do. Yeah. And I did a couple shows last year just down the road at the uh, at the, Le- Le- at the Leicester Square, Square Theater. Theater. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Recorded it. Put it together and made a podcast. London yeah. is Jericho. Did one in Toronto. Did a, the live podcast with Doc McGee on the Kiss Cruise. Yeah. So it's I like doing them live as well. But to Having me, that variation. You know, uh, taking questions from the crowd. I don't like doing that as much because, and this is not being a, a dick, but I know where I'm going in my head with all my shows and podcasts, yeah. and I know it's going to be a complete um, entertainment. Regatta yeah. spectacle. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You throw questions in there. Sometimes they get they're not good questions, and you get thrown off by them. So it's a it's, it's a, a slippery a slope, one, man. Right? I, I've for years or or for ages now, I've had people ask um, if I'd ever have just a fan on the podcast. And I was like, I'm excited about that, but I I, w- I can't guarantee that would be a good podcast because right. there's so many to choose from. And if I don't know who this person is, then you know, I've thought about the two. It's such a weird, to run a contest, a weird variation, yeah, where. 
maybe the fan interviews me. Yeah, yeah. Which I can just guide the conversation anyways. Yeah. And it'd be a hell of a, a contest. You know, yeah. I think it's a great, I heard that you actually, Adam just told me that you had a thing on your Twitter where you said, if I reach X amount of followers, I'll take everybody out for a drink. Yeah. I, when I was reaching a hundred thousand followers on Twitter, I agreed to, to take them, take as many as want to come out for a drink, out for a drink. And I thought, you know, they're not all in London and so on and so forth. But then the announcement of that was, got, was picked up by, BuzzFeed and Lad Bible and numerous others who all posted about How it. How many and people like, showed up? It was there was probably <laughs> literally ninety to hundred. It wasn't bad that's at great. all. It was okay, really it's nice. Bad, so yeah. It was really manageable. And that's great though. What a great idea. And, and and being in my slight panic, I had hit up um, a bar and a brewery in advance, saying, "Look, can you do me a deal? In if I bring all these people in, <laughs> then so it, it was actually all, if a hundred thousand people show up, can you cut me a, a just, can you give me do, happy hour prices? Just do or me some here? kind of a bargain on it, but, but and that worked love, nicely. People love that. I mean, that's such yeah. a great idea. I've done I've done that before at venues. Yeah. Once again, I keep mentioning the name Grimsby. It's one of my favorite yeah. names, by the way. But that gig <laughs> was sold so out. It was br- British, doesn't it? It, it so sounds British, so British. Yeah. <laughs> Grimsby, and it was a, it was a little venue, and it sold out. You know, like weeks in advance. So the day of the show, I got a couple tickets, and I hid them uh, in a shop, like in the in the, like the sign of the shop behind the sign on the wall. It was right, close yeah. to the venue. I took a picture of it, and I said, "Free." You know, there's a pair of tickets waiting here and posted it on Twitter. All I ask is if you find them, post a picture. Lo and behold, about, you know, 30 minutes later, somebody found them and took the picture and everyone's like, oh, we were on our way. And People love that stuff. It's like playing games and arts and crafts via Twitter. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's important. I love that. Um, So when you've had a career as as long as yours, as said, you're saying for him, wrestling a a 25-year anniversary this year. That's right. Um, does things like getting the phone call about the Kiss tour still give you that buzz and excitement? Because the one that springs to mind is I, I always want to know how it felt when you were told that you're going to be the first undisputed champion, a unifying, you know, the the, the WCW yeah, the titles, and the WWF yeah. titles, beating The Rock and Austin in the, in the same night. How was that to get that kind of phone call? Well, that, there was there was no actual. And first of all, to answer the question: Anytime you get a call like that for anything, yeah, it's always a, a very cool. Um, like I said, five or ten seconds of like, oh my gosh, and then yeah. okay, now how do I go and kill this the business mode so that I can yep. do this again? I mean, no matter show what, them it was the right, right call it to was make. the right decision, and the undisputed championship one. That was not a phone call. Right. That was hearing rumors about it. And not not really knowing for sure, and then in catering the day of the show, Vince McMahon's talking to the Undertaker, and he knows I'm within earshot, and goes, "Hey, Taker, yeah, you know how you know the business is going down the toilet? How? Because we're putting the title on Jericho today." <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, "Cool, thanks." And that's how I found out. That's an amazing you know, and, way to find yeah. out. And if you ever see, like, you know, a lot of times when someone wins the world title, they'll have their 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 family in the front row or their friends. I had nobody there, my wife or my dad or anybody, because I didn't think it was going to happen. Yeah. Because you never think it's going to happen until it happens. That's show business, especially yeah. in the WWE. So, yeah, I found out about it. And uh, later that afternoon, you know, four or five hours later, we went out there and did it. And, you know, once again, it's a great thing to be able to brag about and a great thing to be able to say. And it was a huge moment in time for me. Yeah. But in the pantheon of my career, I would never rate it as one of the best nights as oh, far really? as performance-wise. Yeah, I mean, it was okay. It was good. 
but if I knew then no, if I knew now what I knew whatever. If I knew yeah, then yeah, what I knew yeah, now, yeah. whatever the hell whatever the cliche is that fits is what I'm saying. Yeah. You know. So 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 what would you have on 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 wrestling highlights and then I want to talk about some gig highlights as well. Yeah. What would you say are you kind of I think wrestling wise, I mean everything built up to that 2008 2009 serious Jericho suit and tie Jericho yep. with the Shawn Michaels feud, yep. the Rey Mysterio feud, the CM Punk feud. Those were the yep. that was when I was at I was calling myself the best in the world. Yeah. And during that time I there was certain nights where I really believed and knew that I was the best yeah. sports entertainer, professional wrestler, performer on the planet. Yeah, no one could touch me. Yeah, yeah. because I just had all of these years of experience. I had uh, studied acting when I left uh, the WWE in two thousand five. Understood what it took to really drop into a character, play this part. I was the most hated man in the business, getting attacked on the streets for real. Yeah. And it kind of created this whole different vibe. Now, it almost affected me outside of wrestling. It right. was dropped down so deep. If you heard, you know, that Heath Ledger passed away years ago um, from an overdose or sleeping yeah, pills. Yeah, of course, yeah. But the rumor was that was he had into gone the so deep so, yeah. in the Joker, he couldn't find his way out. It's like that Leonard DiCaprio, Leonard DiCaprio movie, Inception. Yeah, 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 so, yeah. So many levels down, it's hard to pull out. Well, it's always said that the most successful characters of wrestling are exaggerations of yourself. So when you're taking yourself and taking exaggerating you in a dark direction, right. in a negative direction, then there's going to be some level you of psychological yourself. stress That's there. That's right. Yeah. You know, and I had seen this movie called No Country for Old Men. Yeah, great. Film. And Javier Bardem played Anton Chigurh, one yeah. of the greatest villains of all time. Yeah. But he was completely ins- insane and crazy and psycho. But it wasn't yelling and screaming. It was just more like, listen, this is the way it's going to be. I'm going to have to yeah. kill you. Yeah. And that terrified me. Like someone who's not just, I'm going to kill you. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. just like, you're dying. Yeah. Sorry. It's done now. So I adopted that part of this character, a very quiet. Where I made people, I remember people yelling at me when I was in the ring, we can't hear you when I was on the microphone. Yeah. Because that's right. So you better shut up and really pay attention. Yeah. Talked very slowly and very quietly, so people would be forced to listen. It's great uh, psychology. To, the best right. way to silence a crowd is to make them have to suck have to them listen. in. Yeah. And then when I when I did raise my voice and say what's going to happen, you know, yeah. oh my gosh! So that character was was really well crafted, and also having the the ultimate uh, foils in Shawn Michaels and Rey Mysterio and CM Punk, who were all great, super popular baby faces. Yeah, it just worked. It was perfect. Yeah. yeah. So that to me was the peak of my career um from 2008 to about 2010 and then 2012 the feud i had with with punk yeah. where it was just i could do no wrong it's just all all on point and it, yep. it, it, it must have been amazing i mean you, you mentioned being inspired by people like Shawn michaels and 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 ricky the dragon steamboat and people like that so it must have been amazing again i i think of them obviously they were great a world champion as well but as as legendary intercontinental champions as well so to have become the most crowned intercontinental champion and and things like that that must have and to work with those guys who had inspired well, you along the way that must yeah, have meant and, a lot, and, right? and not only that but to have them go like you know i'd work with you any night like yeah, you're one yeah. of the best i ever worked you know yeah. and, that, and that that to me is is the real pat in the back because again you start ex- as fans you go as peers yeah. and they become equals exact same thing as you were saying if you, you get know. that gig and it's exciting and then you do good enough right. to say that was we were right to give that person yes. that gig to and, and to have you know your your heroes like someone's always your hero yeah but 
you know, not as 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 a as a peer and as a pro to say, you know, you did great. And I love yeah. working with you. It was cool. So yeah, it was it was it was really uh, amazing to work with them. But to me, more so, just knowing like just how much how much people dislike me. You know, I yeah. remember whenever I got into the vicinity of the arena, I wouldn't talk to fans. Yeah, fans were beneath me. Now in yeah. an airport, at a restaurant, no problem. It's but that point thing, in time, but you're in character. Yes. And, yeah. Now, when you work in Madison Square Garden, you have to park across the street. You can't park in, in – I remember one time I pulled up uh, – first time I worked at the garden, I pulled up at the backstage area. I'm like, hey uh, – he's like, you know, typical New York, yeah, what do you want? <laughs> yeah, I'm uh, resting here tonight. So, well, can I park here? He said, listen, Mick Jagger doesn't even fucking park in the garden. <laughs> and I'm like, okay. But the thing is, all the fans know that. Yeah. So they're all hanging around. Yeah. Which is – Kind of a pain, especially if you're a bad guy. So I parked my car underneath. I now have a secret place to park that no fans know about. So you'll never see me at the garden again. So there you go. <laughs> but at the time I parked, everyone else did. And I was walking in the underground parking garage or parkade as we call it in Canada. And I walked on the elevator and a dad and his son got on as well. Just the three of us. Yeah. And the son was probably about my son's age at the time. But no, we're at the garden now, so this is this is the battleground. In, so I was just design. looking straight ahead. I wouldn't say a word. And the guy's like, "Hey, Jericho, can you sign for my son?" I'm just looking. Hey, can you sign? Can you sign for my, for my son? We're, we're big fans. Nothing. Just looking at the numbers. Three, four. Looking at the numbers in the elevator. <laughs> hey, aren't you even gonna look at me? You're not even gonna talk at me. You're not gonna say a word. Look at this kid. This kid wants your autograph. You're not gonna. Even, you're not gonna sign for a kid. And this guy was getting so mad at me, and I was just looking straight ahead, like fuck this guy. And I felt awful, but I can't sign for this guy and his kid because three hours later, when I'm in the main event, the biggest heel in the world, working with John Cena in a cage match, yeah. and people are booing and chanting Jericho sucks, and he goes, "Hey, he's not so bad. He's, he's a nice guy for my kid." Or do I want him being the loudest? Yeah, damn right he sucks. He wouldn't sign for my kid. Boo, boo, boo. That is contagious. Yeah. So everyone counts. So sorry, guy with kid. I couldn't sign for you. I'd be glad to do it now. But at the time, there is no way I'm signing for this guy. Yeah, and that's that's taking a lot of dedication to get them that riled. In, right. in the post kind of kayfabe days, when when people know that's that, exactly that everyone's right. it's like, well, there you go. You've now got them hating you, that's, even though they know but they said, it's not real or whatever else. It's, it's like, not well, no. real, but this guy's a legitimate asshole. Yeah, yeah. You know, that's the same reason why I never had, uh, I never had T-shirts. Yeah. never. There was never any merch at a, at a, at a, at a WB show for Chris Jericho. Yeah. Why? Because if one guy wears a Chris Jericho shirt, then that's one guy who's going to be cheering for me. That's amazing. So, yeah, I took the hit on the merch and just went for the fact that I'll be working the main events for a yeah. while and make my money doing that. So, so what about in Fozzie? What jumps out? Have you got any particular sh- shows or gigs that jump out as real? There's quite fact? a few. I, I, think, I think Download 2014 yeah. was a highlight because it was a main stage. Oh, as you said, getting to main stage at Download with Huge. the people who have headlined there and Huge. the people who have played on that right. stage every you know, year. And we were actually using Steven Tyler's Catwalk because Aerosmith wow. was headlining. And I was like, I'm not sure if I'm allowed to use this or not, <laughs> but it's a lot easier to ask for forgiveness and permission and no one's going to stop me while I'm doing my 100%. show. And to have that many people there that early on in the day and there to see us knowing the band, yeah. you know, it was really, really cool. Like, and having oh put the, like, as you mentioned, having put the years in on smaller stages or whatever else, or yeah. having played it to, to go, right, we're here and they know 
why like they're not just here for Christian yeah. and Jericho the wrestler. They're here for Fozzie. They're here for the whole Yeah, the whole exactly. Boat. You know, we've had a lot of those. We did Bloodstock a couple of years ago where Phil Campbell from Motorhead came and played with us. Oh, wow. He's a big fan of the band. He's like, I want to play with you guys. So we sent him one of the songs and the riff was a little hard. He's like, can I just do the solo? And I'll just play open chords for the rest of us. Like, yes, you can. <laughs> but, um, you know, anytime it. you get your peers watching, we did yeah. Heavy Montreal this year and Corey Taylor and Randy Bly were watching from the side of the stage. You know, anytime you see like the, the, the camaraderie of, of, of your pals watching you yeah. as you play, that's a pretty cool moment. But I think, um, I mean, Sydney has always been great for us. It's almost like a, a Calvin Klein ad. Sydney, London, Paris, uh, <laughs> Los Angeles. You know, we did the perfect, we did the whiskey a go go in Los Angeles last time, yeah, and sold it out. And you know, you're upstairs in the dressing room, and there's these old decrepit couches, and I'm like, how many chicks did Jim Morrison fuck on this couch? Yeah. <laughs> and I don't, I just want to sit on it longer. I don't yeah. care, you Amazing. know. So anytime you get those type of shows, the first arena we ever played on Uproar with Avenged Sevenfold was in Calgary, which is where I used to go see concerts when I was living there. Yeah. Those type of things they mean a lot to you, yeah. You know, so you always have. We did a great show in Dublin last tour. It was in a basement Irish crowds club. are always very loud. Oh, Ireland loud. is great. Scotland is yeah. amazing. You know, London is always a great show. We're doing uh, Islington doing Academy, Islington Academy. Twenty Six. Yeah, those shows are always great. So there's certain cities that you go to, like, oh, this is going to be a good show tonight. Yeah. And you know, sometimes you get our our motto is ten or ten thousand. Yeah. We don't care. Every night is Madison Square Garden to us. Amazing. As it should be, because that's the way it is. It's a it's a rock show, and sometimes you sell out, and sometimes you don't, and it doesn't matter. Everybody yeah. paid to see a ticket, and I learned a long time ago you don't make, you don't punish the people who came. Yeah, yeah people yeah. come. You know what I mean, right? Hundred percent. If people pay there, right? If they paid to see you, and there's only two other people there, or two hundred thousand other people there, you owe them the exact same show. I couldn't agree more, and I think it's. If, if if anything, I'm always aware. If it's a smaller crowd, you're like, right, it's going to be harder for them to enjoy this. Yes, gig. so we have to work much harder That's to get right, them dude. to enjoy it because they they've paid. They've, they're still Absolutely. here. Absolutely, anybody can have a great show at a festival. Yeah, anybody. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it takes a real great rock and roll band to have a show in front of a small crowd because when people show up and there's not as many people there, they think like, it's this is not the cool place to be. When yeah. it's sold out, dude, you just say, hey. Ah. Yeah. But if you can get those people to forget and just be involved in the show, yeah. that's, that's the, one. the secret. And that's what we do. We do really well with big crowds or small crowds because we have a very entertaining, energetic fan uh, participation yeah. show. Yeah. So when you have that – To turn it into a party rather than a spectator yes. sport. And we want to be Van Halen in 1979. That's the vibe of our band. <laughs> yeah, Everybody's having fun on stage. And it's infectious. Yeah. You see, it doesn't matter. You're into it and rocking out and having a great time. People will respond. And that goes back to what we said earlier in one of our conversations. In one of the conversations. Either on air or not on air. It's very important <laughs> uh, as a performer to have a great crowd. Yeah. And in either wrestling or music, you have to have that energy on stage in the ring that translates to the crowd. And if you go back and forth, if you have a perfect show and the crowd sucks, then your show sucks. Yeah. If you have a show and you hit some bad notes or screw up a couple high spots and the crowd is going ballistic, mission accomplished. Yeah. Yeah. That to me is more important. How yeah. did the crowd enjoy the show? It's dropping your own ego and, yeah. and, and perfectionism and going, right, how have they, that, right. they felt about it? Like, you know? man, I wish I could have sang that song better tonight, but not one person noticed and nobody cares. And yeah. they had a great time and they left with a smile on their face and they're going to tell people about us the next time. That's the secret of what, what being an entertainer is. 
is. Yeah. Making sure that people enjoy your show and want to buy a ticket the next time you come back to town. Definitely. Well, that's a perfect n- n- note to end on. That was so, a good way to end, yeah, right? Yeah, that was yeah. great. Jeez, got man. there. Well, thank good. you v- very much for giving your time. And, yeah, uh, I, I, I love doing this. Uh, like I said, you know, I always heard about Scribius sc- Poop. Exactly. No, scrib- it's, it's a mysterious... Yeah. Uh, what is this creature that people keep mentioning in the... But now I'm having a real. brain freeze. Scribius Pip. Scribius Pip, that's there right. As son of Gladys <laughs> Knight and thee. Yeah, yeah. But I heard all this about the Scribius Pip, about how you got to do the Scribius Pip show. Yeah. And... Uh, and now I have done this, so I'm excited. Thank Next you time much. now you have to return the favor. Yeah, I'm, I'm totally down for that. Thank you for coming, man. Thank you, man. My pleasure. You've been listening to Scrooge Pick's Discretion Piece. There you go. That was Mr. Chris Jericho, and what a lovely dude! And he, as said, I said earlier on, he had so much time and was so warm and welcoming and happy to chat and engage. Um, great to meet him. A real legend of 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 wrestling. Like we we talked about a, a lot of stuff, but you know, I had to save from marking out. Um, or Mark, again, I should explain a few of the terms we might have used. I love the story of him kayfabe in in the um, in the lift. Now kayfabe is the term that was. In ge- in general, I wrestling was k- k- kayfabe f- for years, and the kayfabe was that um, the public didn't know it was entertainment; they thought it was all real life. So, instances of kayfabe, your baby faces, so your good guys, I wouldn't tr- generally travel w- with your heels, your bad guys, because if you get to a town and you see the people you're about to see fighting, just hanging out and having a nice beer, and then they're in the ring furious at each other, it ruins it a bit. So. I love that in the in the post kayfabe days, Jericho persisted with some of his trying to be you know snarky and moody. So I love that story. Um, we're going to end this podcast, as I mentioned earlier, with the original first chunk of the podcast, which is confusing. There will be some stuff that that, that doubles up, but it will be for you to decide which version of the conversation was the best. Um, so that's going to be next. But I need to. T- to tell you about next week and in general a few weeks um so n- next week i've got kurt sutter the writer of the shield sons of anarchy the bastard executioner S- southpaw there's so much interesting stuff we planned to talk for about an hour and we got into it and it's over two hours so it's become a two-parter um absolutely rammed we talk in the first part a lot about his career his influences his, his growing up in new jersey his his traveling to LA, his um, his mentor, all sorts of other things, and then in part two we get really into the Shield and Southpaw and Sons, um, the the pros and cons of writing a series that puts a load of dudes together for extended amount of times of filming and makes them have motorbikes and biker jackets and that can change a guy's psychology. That can cause some issues. So we talk about all of that. Um, amazing stories about Southpaw. Um, it's a film he did this year um i caught it and loved it really interesting stories about the origin of that and how he was originally approached approached by eminem to develop that and you'll be f- absolutely fascinated by the parallels between the story in southpaw and eminem's life it's all very interesting i won't go into too much detail because that's for next week and then the week after we've got podcasting legend richard herring um yeah that's going to be great i'm doing his podcast um, as I record this on Sunday, but yeah, it's, it's when you hear this, it'll be the previous Sunday. Um, 
and then it'll be coming out in the new year. But yeah, we've done, we're doing a back to back podcast each sharing the guests sharing the love so that's great fun um is there anything else i need to tell you about if this is your first one if i've got a load of jerichaholics on here who haven't uh, listened before i think you might enjoy the episode with wes borland or the episode with maybe billy bragg or, or frank turner or frank carter a lot of, of of rock and rollers in there um the episode with ramesh ranganathan i think we talk about a bit about wrestling in that we might mainly talk about comic books and comedy and, and hip-hop but yeah there's a load of discussions throughout these podcasts so check them out um please subscribe thank you for all those that do subscribe uh, the other week when adam buxton and i did our crossover podcast we were both in the top 10 i think we were number f- four and number five or number five and number six or something like that and we were the only ones in the top 10 with an average rating of five stars so thank you all for that's already voted and please more of you go and vote and rate and support that's hugely appreciated so now this is the end of the distraction pieces podcast officially but we're also going to have a little spoiler a little post trailer treat like in marvel films this is now the original beginning of the distraction pieces podcast episode 68 with chris jericho bye and there we go. We are rolling. I am joined by the the first ever undisputed WWF champion, the nine-time Intercontinental champion, host of the almighty Talk is Jericho, and frontman of the almighty Fozzy, Mr. Chris Jericho. How are you doing, man? Can you just follow me around and say <laughs> that intro wherever I go? You know, that's great. You know what's funny is that... Um, I, I, like you mentioned, my podcast, Talk is Jericho, and I have a lot of social media. And I yeah. have had a lot of people say, we like Talk is Jericho, we like Scroobius Pip. Yeah. When are you going to have Scroobius Pip? And of yeah. course, obviously in the States, what the fuck is a Scroobius Pip? Exactly. So I actually you know, looked it up and thought, oh, okay, he's a rapper and an actor or whatever. So yeah, yeah. when I, this came up, I was like, oh, it's perfect. Yeah. Finally, I get to meet the illustrious yeah, we get to Mr. Match Pip. Up. Face to face. Now, was your dad one of the uh, pips, as in Gladys Knight and the... <laughs> I, I, I wish. I wish. Awesome. That would have been a perfect combination. Yeah. How are you finding the podcasting world? Because you've... Uh, uh, wrestlers in general seem to be taking it over right now. In America, most a lot of the biggest podcasts are, well, are you and much, Stone Cold and JR like and people you, like that. Uh, uh, my podcast is not a wrestling podcast. Yep. I, I happen to have the wrestling background, obviously. But to me, the, the concept of... of People who know who Chris Jericho is know I have a lot of different interests. Yeah. I do a lot of different things. Yeah. And my podcast reflects that. So, yeah. yes, it's got some wrestling. It's got a lot of music. It's got a lot of paranormal stuff. Comedians, actors. I mean, yeah. whatever interests me uh, on that daytime and, and, and you know, shape, I'll, I'll go for it. So I love it. I love it because – It's the, the great thing about podcasts is that – that lack of restrictions and, and categorization. I'm is boss, as simple as I'm that. I'm booker. I can yeah. do whatever I want. And the thing is, too – it gives me a chance to, A, talk to my friends. Yeah. Because a lot of times you don't get a chance to really talk to your friends. 100%. Or talk to people. You know, if you're talking wrestling-wise, I had Triple H on the show last year and talked to him for 90 minutes. I, I've known him for 15 years. We've never spoken for 15 minutes yeah. or for 90 minutes yeah. at length. Or uh, William Shatner. Yeah. Like, I got a chance yeah. to have him <laughs> yeah, on my show twice. Insane. An hour with William Shatner or, you know, an hour with Gene Simmons or Paul Stanley or Dennis Miller or any of these people. You would never get a chance to do that if you just yeah. met them on the street, even if you were friends. And that's it. It's, it's, you get to 
to engage and find out more than you would even if you were hanging out as friends. Because if you're, you're sitting right. in a bar, you don't ask the questions that you would you ask. That you then get more of their history. And well, and the thing is, too, I don't have questions when I do my shows. Yeah, you know, I just walk in, sit down, plug in. What's yeah. going on? Because if you and I are going to have a conversation, let's say we just met at a party or at yeah. a bar or something like that. I've given you that introduction as you walk into the party. Perfect, you know, this yes, perfect. Or McDonald's or whatever. <laughs> but, you know, I don't pull out a list of questions and say, so Scroobius, let me ask, you just, we just talk. Exactly. And wherever the conversation goes, that's where it goes. And yeah. I, I think that's why my podcast has done quite well is because people know it's just a fly on the wall conversation. It's not really an interview. It's a chat. Yeah. And yeah. I think that's that's what, what people really, want to hear. People want to hear that and just, just they be love it, on. you know. And they also love hearing, for example, I had Dean Ambrose from the WWE, and we just talked. Yeah. He loves paranormal stuff like I do. Yeah. So we just talked about paranormal ghosts and goblins and Bigfoot and all that sort of stuff. Yep. For an I was hour. I was listening to that one as I was decorating my new house. No, and there you he, go, yeah, I think right? he was doing a lot of hiking at one point, and there was a lot of stuff. It's like <laughs> this is great because particularly his character in WWE at the moment is so wild and crazy. It was like right, this is just but a dude. Like, Interesting. Guys are talking about the paranormal. Of course, a lot of hardcore fans will be like, "Why aren't you talking more about wrestling?" Yeah. Or, when I had Bruce Dickinson on, and Bruce is explaining to me how a World War One biplane works and flies yeah. and how you have to be careful when it lands it doesn't spin around I thought it was the greatest thing in the world now a lot of hardcore metal fans were like why didn't you ask him about peace of mind why yeah. weren't you asking him about you know why because Bruce was talking about this he was into it and therefore he's enjoying himself on my show and, and that's, that's my point. that's my uh, goal is for people to walk away going that was one of the best interviews I've ever had it was yeah. fun it was, uh, it was something I don't usually talk about because I know what it's like to get asked the same stupid questions. The same questions things over and over, over, and over again. again. Yeah, completely. And so I just don't ask those questions because nobody cares. Hey, Slash, when's Guns N' Roses getting back together again? Yeah. No, he's not going to answer it. No. Fuck no. But he'll now, maybe, tell you a thing or two about dinosaurs. There you go. <laughs> and after we talk about dinosaurs and horror movies for an hour, then he brings up Guns N' Roses and suddenly I got 20 minutes of great Guns N' Roses stories. Yeah. You would yeah. never get that if you opened with it. You well, know? well, let's go for a question that you probably haven't been asked yet because it's too soon, but we'll get asked loads. How was the Kiss cruise oh it was amazing insane so for people yeah. who, who don't know a kiss have done this and motorhead are doing i've done it's one as well a thing, it's a thing so a lot of rock bands doing just taking over a cruise ship basically and they'll have a load of bands playing a load of fans will come on that cruise yes and that's that so how was that for you that's it, it was insane. great because um like you mentioned it's 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 if you're in a band and you're a musician as well, I mean, you play gigs, you get on a tour bus, you travel from town to town, it is what it is. A, t- uh, a cruise, you get on the cruise, you play three times over the course of you know four nights going to Jamaica, you play for an hour and a half, you Amazing. got an attentive audience that has nowhere to go. Yeah, if they yeah, don't like you, awesome, you jump yeah. off the ship, tough yeah. luck, buddy. But um, <laughs> And also, too, with the whole Kiss vibe of it, now, it's a twofold question because, A, as a professional it was amazing because we're, we're playing with Kiss. It's just like, you know, it was a, it was a cruise yeah. ship, but we were on tour with Kiss. And yeah, it was like, yeah, all yeah. my friends, I was like, guys, I can't text you right now. Too busy touring with Kiss, so you have to back <laughs> off. Yeah. Now, and from a fan standpoint, Kiss is, is I've realized over the last year or so that Kiss could probably be my favorite band. And everybody yeah. thought that. But And also, um, Paul Stanley, one of my biggest heroes, has now become my friend. Yeah, yeah. So also from a fanboy standpoint, they play very obscure stuff. That's the gimmick of the cruise. They and they've got stuff. the time to as well. And, uh, again, and the fan base who knows every song. Yeah. And from what I've seen of these, they get to really take over the, the ship completely. So there will be 
videos, there will be documentaries playing, all this kind of thing. So it's like just everything you want as you, a Kiss walk, fan. Yeah, you walk down the hallways and it's nonstop Kiss playing over the the, the speakers of the ship Amazing. for like four days straight. And it's like yeah. you can tell they've put every album in and just put it on shuffle. So it'll be like something from Peter Chris Solo album. Yeah. There's something from Crazy Nights. There's something from Monster. There's a live track. And then the TV... All there is is a 24-hour station playing nothing but Kiss Live. Brilliant. Which is great. And yeah. then Kiss plays three times, and then we play three times, and then everyone's doing different stuff. There's like, you know, Gene hosts a belly flop competition. <laughs> I did a live podcast with Doc McGee, Kiss's manager, yeah. which is amazing. So there's so much stuff to do. And afterwards, I was like, you know what? I could do my own cruise. Yeah. And I'm starting to think about how I could do this kind of a rock and wrestling cruise where you would have wrestling Amazing. matches with the top independent guys and get like, you know, Fozzie would play, but I would get like Steel Panther or Slash yeah. or somebody that would be the main headliner. Yeah. It's just such a great idea. It makes it's a so lot much of fun of, of sense because I remember at the a, a while back at the Comic Cons and stuff like that, you'd often get independent wrestling there, like over here, and you'd get far bigger crowds because it was this strange well, yeah. amalgamation of things rather than just there's a wrestling thing in town independence or that's whatever, right because it's this amalgamation of there's bands there's wrestling there's everything else that they do that at Vakken every great. year they have a yeah. wrestling show they do that they did it at heavy montreal this year the big festival in montreal yeah. and they're doing it now in some of the big uh festivals in the states like uh, aftershock in sacramento louder than life carolina rebellion where they have some wrestling too yeah it's a very uh, uh, uh symbiotic there's a good word for you yeah it's yeah. a very symbiotic mixture because people always say well, what are the similarities or what are the differences between wrestling and and, and, and you know being in a rock and roll band instead of what are the differences is more similarities yeah than anything because they're both very live um energetic forms of entertainment very aggressive yeah very loyal fan base and also very contingent on the reaction you get from the crowd yeah. equals what type of a show you have. Yeah, completely. And you they've know? also both, I'd imagine, got a huge amount that gets unnoticed behind the scenes in the grueling touring schedules. Sure. Being on the road, you know, you've got that moment that everyone sees of, I'd love to be a wrestler or I'd love to be in a band. Right. But don't see that it's a tough life on the road at times. Alice Cooper know? told me they don't pay me to play my shows. They yeah. pay me for the other 22 and a half hours of shit yeah. I have to deal with. The sitting the in airports, the sitting yeah. in London tra- tra- traffic, traffic as you've had this morning. You know, <laughs> you know, customs treat. and pick up yeah. your bag and drop it off and pick up your rental car and drive around and find a hotel and go do the show and come back to the hotel, go back to the airport. It very much is, is a grind, you yeah. know. But having said that, it's a great job to have and I'm not complaining. 100%. But that's the other side of the coin of what people don't yeah. see. Um, but it's interesting. Yesterday, you know, you, you've actually got me a lovely cupcake here because it was my birthday over the, over the last <laughs> yeah, few weeks. Whenever this airs, depending. Yeah. Uh, in real time, it was yesterday. Yeah. And to kind of see the, uh, and this is not some kind of show business bullshit exaggeration. I got literally thousands and thousands of birthday wishes yeah. from fans on Twitter and Facebook and Instagram and you know posts and comments and people had done videos and they made pictures and uh, some lovely young ladies sent some great shots of popping out of cakes and things like that, yeah. which is always nice to know. But it, it's just a really cool um, reassurance that all this stuff that I do, we do as entertainers – doesn't get lost in the shuffle. I have people. to stop you a, a second because it's just f- frozen up. Okay. When did it freeze up? 